Did you see the bananas burlesque routine? Yes, it was very appealing. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. This is your husband host, Travis McElroy. And this is your wife, Teresa McElroy, wife host. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, wait a second, because you always say, I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I say, and I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to (laughs) Schrainers. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. You'll have to forgive us. This is our first episode. That's not true. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm well. Yeah. Yeah. We had a a good baby night sleep last night, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which makes for good schmanners. You know, people help out a lot by uh, supporting us by being Max Fun members. But if people want to come and put our baby to bed, <laughs> that also <laughs> helps make good episodes. Please don't do that. That would be weird. That would be weird, especially with uh, the the state of the world. But I have. Uh, Shamanas might not be the place to talk about this, but I have I have a very overactive imagination. We've we've discussed yeah. this before. Every time I look in the baby monitor, we have a video monitor. Mm-hmm. I have the same thought of I hope there's no one in there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Oh no. Well, Travis, it's time to play my favorite game. And Boggle. That, no, no. Okay. That is You try and guess what the topic is about, and I tell you how wrong you are. No, I know what the topic is. We're talking about burlesque. We are. But what is burlesque? Ah, a burlesque? I want you to distill it down to its its meaty center. Okay. Burlesque is a, a choreographed routine to music. Uh, in which someone removes articles of clothing in a uh, in a very uh, oftentimes I would say funny way, but in a kind of teasing way. No. Oh. <laughs> but what you are talking about is a specific number often included in burlesque called the tease. Uh, but so what? Listen. Huh? See, this is my favorite game. I don't like this game. So. (laughs) For several reasons. What? A burlesque is a literary, dramatic, or musical work intended to cause laughter by caricaturing the manner or spirit of serious works or by ludicrous treatment of their subjects. The word derives from the Italian burlesco, which is derived from the Italian word burla, meaning joke, ridicule, or mockery. So it's a little bit like pantomime. Am I thinking the right thing? What's the yeah. thing with like Harlequin and, uh, you know, Pantalone? Oh, Commedia dell'arte. Thank you, yes. Commedia dell'arte, right? Where it's like highly exaggerated forms of other existing stories for comedic effect. Not necessarily, but yes. They're, you're, they're a similar vein, you're right? You're in the right region of the world, for now, sure. Now, this does make sense to me because the burlesque shows that I've attended are not just the tease. There's also yes. usually like uh, a bit of like a clowning mm-hmm. act. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's often like duet things yes. of like heightened love story things. Mm-hmm. 
I will say to that point, I have never seen a serious burlesque. So I guess that makes sense. Okay. Well, so the form, the art form itself is kind of like sexy satire, right? right? Um, it's always been about parody, right? Mocking everything from traditional gender roles to politicians of the day. Okay. Um, and even when performers do l- like more exposed acts, what I was talking about, the tease mm-hmm. act is always more important than the actual strip, Right. Well, so, that's why I said highly choreographed, right? Because when I think about it, it's not just not that there's anything wrong with it just being the removing of clothing, but that the removing of clothing is itself part of the chore- choreography. Right? Sure, sure. Um, there are some very famous burlesque acts. I mean, and you can look it up on YouTube in some of the like the old Hollywood style mm-hmm. where basically um, there's a lady doing the tease and. She is only like semi-nude at the very end. She takes a bow and leaves. Like the whole thing was about her taking off stockings, about taking off gloves, playing around behind fans, kind of like, like, you know. It's very tantalizing and titillating. Exactly. But she never gets naked. Yeah. Anyway. Not that there's anything wrong with nudity. It's That's true. Um, so here... That's just a different art form, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that, and and forgive me if this is no longer the appropriate parlance, but like exotic dancing, right, is a different thing. Yes. Usually a lot more, I would say, gymnastic, a lot more uh, not necess- physical. Not necessarily. Okay. But the idea of stripping in particular is different um, because burlesque is more about the act doing the the satire or the gimmick or whatever it is where stripping is about removing clothing and dancing about jiggling their stuff any any and all genders yes okay and so it does get a bad rap for being quote a slutty art form puritanical things we've talked about this before when we talk about christmas when we talk about parties, when we talk about music, yeah. when we talk about dancing. And it's, I will say, I because I've been thinking about this recently, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it here is, like, I, I think that what we have seen, especially of late, is a big surge in, like, uh, trying to erase uh, rights and protections for sex workers. Mm-hmm. And I think that for whatever reason, the puritanical beliefs that surrounded like music and dance and art and stuff is a lot easier for people to let go of. And it only is recently that we're letting go of puritanical beliefs around like alcohol, i.e. prohibition. Mm -hmm. And yet anything related to like nudity or sex or anything like that is like, ooh, still too taboo. We can't. Um, Not to say that burlesque performers are sex workers because, I mean, they could be, but that's not what burlesque is. But more than anything having to do with revealing a part of the body is instantly like, well, this is clearly all about sex. And so, for some reason, sex is bad. But here's the thing, right? At this point, the common misconception is burlesque exists for the, quote, male gaze, Mm. right? But... The confidence and body positivity associated with burlesque actually makes it a favorite art form for feminists. Mm. Yeah. Also, it's fun. <laughs> There's comedic burlesque, absurdist, punk rock, you name like 
you name it. Like I, everything I've, has, uh, it, there is room for everyone. In there this is a burlesque performer that uh, I enjoy named Anna Ferlaxes. Um, mm. And she is, uh, along with her burlesque routine, part of it, I would say, is axe throwing and knife throwing. Cool. Which is great, which is cool. So let's let's go back into the history just a bit. It's been around for hundreds of years and is usually credited as originating in the 17th century Italian theater. Although there's oh. a little bit of evidence that maybe it goes as far back as ancient Greece. Okay. Um, it was originally... Well, probably the name doesn't. It was probably... Right. If, if, if it's form. from Greece, it's probably called something else. If burlesque is an Italian word derived from an Italian word derived from an Italian word, uh-huh. Greeks probably called it something different, though, right? They weren't probably. like, hey... This is an Italian word, but (laughs) let's call it burlesque. Uh, It was a comedic interlude that was applied to literature, music, or theater. And it was typically... It was a halftime show. Yeah, kind of. It was typically like a humorous parody of traditional classical or dramatic works. So when you said the idea of Commedia dell'arte, this is kind of like a satire of Commedia dell'arte, which is satire of... Other stuff. So, like, <laughs> can I just say you have put in my head a really amazing idea of like do Hamlet and at intermission have a burlesque parody of Hamlet? Yeah. In the middle of it. Yeah. I'm probably not the first person to think of something probably like that, not. but I think that that would be so funny to me. Um, and it actually draws a lot of inspiration from the English tradition of pantomime. Yeah. Okay. Um, a panto. A panto. Yes. Burlesque performer Amanda Lynn and her partner Vincent Mann described these performers as being kind of like Weird Al Yankovics of the time. <gasps> what? Right? So they were satirists. Sat- Parodists? Parod- Parrot heads. Yes. Okay. No, that's not it. Are you sure? <laughs> Paradisos. Okay. That's, that's what I'm going to go with because it's Italian. Ah. Paradisos. That doesn't mean that at all. Italiano. Movie Italian. (laughs) Nope. 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 All right. Uh, It was incredibly popular in London from like the 1830s to 1890s. I'm not surprised by that. Once again, I think we've plugged it before, but the uh, Stephen Fry series on uh, Audible about Mm -hmm. the, the Victorian secrets, right? Where they talk about like that we think of that time period, that like the 1800s as being very like asexual, but actually it was just very repressed. Mm-hmm. And so anything that sounds like this, where it's just like, okay, great, we can go and appreciate this thing and have an excuse to go there and not like feel judged for it, like it feels like it would be wildly popular. Well, exactly. And this was considered, quote, a highbrow pastime because of the satirical nature of it, mm-hmm. right? And these references that they were making with the burlesque acts... You, one assumed that you knew what they were talking about, right? right? So you had to be of a certain educational background if you wanted to enjoy the performance. Well, I mean, what's interesting, you know what, that maybe I'm way off base here, but that makes me think of like the Colbert Report. A little bit, Where yeah. it was just like, to get the jokes, you had to understand that he was playing this like heightened character mm-hmm. of like, what if he was super bought into this stuff and like believed it wholeheartedly so much so that he didn't see the ridiculousness of the things he was saying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it almost being so, what guess what I'm saying is Stephen Colbert was doing 
burlesque. Yes. Okay. Uh, and with when... that bold claim, it's time for a thank you note to our sponsors. Schmanners is sponsored in part this week by Bombas. And you know what, Teresa? What? I want to write a thank you note to Bombas. I know what you're wondering. For sponsoring the show? Yes. But also, they're wonderful socks. But also, they're wonderful t-shirts. I'm wearing one of their Bombas t-shirts right this very second. I have also enjoyed their lounge pants. Indeed. You know what the t-shirt makes me think? Oh, this is so silly. But it makes me think of what... A sheet on a ghost must feel like. <laughs> you know when you see those ghosts and then they just look like sheets and you think, I bet this is a pretty soft sheet. Yeah. That's what Obama sure feels like. It feels like ghost sheets. I like that. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But you know what? It also makes my heart feel good to buy Bomber socks and shirts and pants. Because for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 and more giving partners. And to those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So... Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash schmanners. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie, and also, who's that grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye! Bye. Like a lot of things, like you do, uh, when the burlesque trend made it to the U.S., things changed a bit. So around the 1840s, this was kind of like the golden age of the traveling act, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we think about this time period, we think about Annie Oakley. We think about carnivals. We think yes. about medicine shows. The trains. You know, you're loading up on the trains. The trains arrive. Ah, open the doors and everybody follows out. We talked about that in Bandwagon. Right, it's the bandwagon stuff. You get that train. Oh, how excited! I don't know why I'm so focused on the train, but it's know. so exciting to me. I don't know. Um, some of these art forms would later become vaudeville, uh, but some of these art forms would die out a little bit. Right, these forms of entertainment started to blend together, and in the beginning, American burlesque was closer to sketch comedy, really, than it okay. was to any kind of like tease or stripping. Okay. Um, I mean, sure, it was. It could be sexually suggestive or skimpy costumes, but it really focused on the quick-witted satirical dialogue 
and, you know, the song, the dance, the comedians, the musicians that accompanied that. Can I tell you one of the things I've always enjoyed? So we have a, a friend named Landry who uh, is in a burlesque group in Chicago. I don't know if she still is, but she was for a long time. And what I loved about it was it almost felt like a really clever way to trick people into coming and appreciating how funny the women in the show were. Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, it's burlesque. Oh, that sounds, oh, burlesque. And I was like, yeah, but actually, <laughs> we're amazing clowns. So deal with it. Deal with it. Here's the little twist, right? So in the UK and Europe, burlesque was considered the, the highbrow, right? Mm-hmm. But enter in the puritanical ideals of the United States and it becomes more of a lower class art form. But that does mean that it becomes more accessible to everyone, working class included. You know what's a great example of this, folks? What? Blazing Saddles, Lely Von Stuck, Madeline Kahn, this idea of like she's in a bustier, you know, and tights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like it's really her clowning, right? So there's dudes in the right. audience like whooping and hollering and male gazing her, but really they're appreciating secretly, they might not even know it, her amazing comedy stylings. Yes. Okay. But it does start to go downhill oh, at man. this point. Um, the 20th century went like in the US, censorship laws went wild uh-huh. um, and drove burlesque as kind of the misunderstood art form of the time even deeper underground. There was a great awakening in morality around 1904 where everyone decided that they were they wanted to return to the American values. You know, does this sound familiar? These are all such terrible dog whistles because the fact of the matter is Morality only seems to be called morality when it means stopping other people from doing things. <laughs> Very rarely is someone like, you know what? I think we need to go back to morality. So I'm going to be more introspective about my own behavior. It always seems like people just use morality as a word, as an excuse to judge other people and stop them from doing things you don't understand. Right. Uh, and this is where the the villainizing of the art form really begins. Right? Yeah. So... It went up to the 1930s in popularity and then back down, right? Um, but here's the thing. Okay, please. While vaudeville and minstrel shows, rightly, died out, burlesque's quiet flame kept going. It survived. Good. And it, this was about the time when Josephine Baker was becoming a Parisian legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like, I really like the way you just said Parisian. Why? Just because, like, it's not how I would have said it, and you said it way prettier than I would have said it. I think oh. I would have said Parisian, and you said Parisian, and it felt like, <laughs> uh, just for a second, there was a queen in my booth addressing me. Aww. It was very nice. Not to mention, Gypsy Rose Lee was delighting audiences everywhere with her tongue-in-cheek acts, mm-hmm. complete with comedic poems and jokes and gimmicks and all that stuff. Um, Gypsy, by the way, had a an amazing movie career. Um, And that is actually where the musical movie, all of that comes from. Okay. Okay. Um, And so with this sprinkling of kind of like old Hollywood glamour, um, burlesque has this kind of love hate relationship with U S audiences, especially it is something that is 
considered like, you know, that low class morality. Right. But still everybody knows about it. It's kind of like it's like the movie star like Betty Davis. You love to hate her. Right. Mm -hmm. Or Mae West. Right. It feels a little bit like um, I'm trying to think of a a similar thing, but it's this uh, maybe like karaoke is a thing where like everybody kind of pokes fun at it and it's like a fun butt of a joke in TV shows and stuff, but also everyone really enjoys doing it and it's Mm -hmm. a super fun thing to do where it's just like this kind of idea of like burlesque is like, oh, oh, you're gonna do a burlesque show? (laughs) But that does sound fun. I'll go with it. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Sounds great. And then it really kind of took a back burner in uh, in the U.S. in the 1970s and 80s with feminism and disco and punk rock and it seemed that like this hyper feminine like lens a lot of people saw burlesque through mm-hmm. made it like didn't really have a place in the US anymore but okay enter neo burlesque neo burlesque it is the one now that's when uh if i remember correctly the matrix came out and everybody said <laughs> i want to do a burlesque routine based on the matrix right no okay great Neo burlesque in the not, 90s. Why can't I remember Keanu Reeves? I want to say Val Kilmer. That yeah. wasn't it, right? Okay. Two wildly different people. Okay, go on. So something about kind of like the grungy nature of New York in the 1990s uh, combined with the punk rock mu- movement and the 80s popularity of drag balls mm-hmm. gave burlesque fertile soil. Makes complete sense. Everything you had just said seems like ingredients in the burlesque that I know and love now. Absolutely. Um, so this is when uh, Dita Von Tees came into her, I would say, her own, sure. right? Mm-hmm. She did start as an exotic dancer, um, but as her popularity grew, there was a lot more to her acts, and it became more, I would say, story-driven. Yeah. Right? You know, that sounds a lot to, like, uh, like Vegas acts, you know? Uh, yeah. Where, like, someone, as they grow more famous, gets to do, like, more and more uh, with, with their act. Yeah. Right. And the Slipper Room in New York City was established in 1999, and it was the first venue built exclusively for neo-burlesque acts. And these were more performance art, right? So um, nudity was definitely part of it. But there was magic and singing and drag and silks and hoops and clowns and, and all that stuff. I bet and more it, than a few knives thrown, too. Uh, more than a few, I think. Um, and so the LGBTQA plus community has also found a home in this art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are wonderful trans performers also people like um, who use the art to explore attitudes mm-hmm. to sex and gender and probably in a way like when you're looking for ways to express yourself probably the reason drag is, is so popular these days and and uh, like these ways of if you are someone who felt like for so long you couldn't be yourself mm-hmm. and like that you had to kind of hide who you were away from people anything where it's just like I feel comfortable performing this thing, right? There is a uh, like a layer of character, just a thin enough veneer that I feel comfortable expressing myself in a way that I never have because I had to hide myself away for so long, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So also, it's just fun. That's also probably <laughs> I don't want to throw this whole cycle. I'm not saying everybody who does it does it for that reason. Some people probably just like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but to that point, it does also make me think about another uh, community that I've seen embrace it very strongly in recent days, which is the nerd community. Yeah. Like totally. nerdy burlesque uh, is definitely a thing these days. And that makes complete sense because of its literary and like satirical background. That's one of the things that nerds love the best. There is a group uh, like that has done McElroy based burlesque shows before, which I really enjoy. And I'm going to look up while we talk so that I can credit them. Okay. Um, so no matter what people say about burlesque, it's very clear that uh, it has a survival instinct, and it really is a kind of wide-open venue. And Julie Atlas Mutz put it very simply by saying, anyone can perform burlesque if they really want to. you got to get a costume, you got to get a gimmick, and then you just need to go up on stage and have the chutzpah Nailed it. to do it. It was D20 burlesque. Oh, very D20 cool. D20 burlesque. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the name... Kind of nerdy-based, very good uh, burlesque company. Uh, now, um, I have been to a burlesque show. Yes. and I went with you. Oh, you did? Yeah. We went to one at the No. Yeah. That's not the one you're thinking of? No. Do I remember you being there? I don't I was, think I remember I was you right. being there. Okay, now picture the show. Now look slightly to your left in okay. your memory. That's me. That's you. That's me. That's this guy. I was a lot younger then. That's true. Oh, We were both me? a lot younger <laughs> okay. then. Okay. All right. Uh and here are some things that I would suggest that you do if you decide to go to a burlesque show, dear listeners. And you should. It is completely appropriate to be enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. It is not appropriate to yell at the performers um, because they have a very specific act that they're doing. And things like take your top off mm, no, are no, no. not allowed. Now, hooting and hollering, yes, done in the right spirit. Cheer, clap, whistle, right, laugh, it's applaud, great. all that stuff. That's what's going on. But this is not, uh, let's say, not for your benefit in that way, right? Indeed. It's recommended that you dress up, make a night out indeed. of it. Uh, the performers will be very snazzy indeed. That's one of the the things. And is, there's, a, there's a bit of a show to all of it, not exactly. just the show on stage, but also you there. Exactly. I picture it as like the right time to have a very pink cocktail, if you mm, want to. You know what I mean? Indeed. Something very uh, showy. There are some performances you may attend that have more of a dinner theater atmosphere. So uh, light conversation is allowed. Uh, but please do your research and find out if this is like a theatrical performance or more of a dinner theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that you check out the photography policy. Correct. These are beautiful acts uh, in several different ways. And you may be tempted to take a picture to make a memory, but do make sure that you do whatever the venue, the performer, you know, stay within the rules there. I would say uh, no matter what, I would err on the side of not doing it. If you don't know if you can, if you haven't gotten confirmation, don't do it. And to that point, I would say unless they expressly say it's totally cool, no video, right? Because if you think about it, this is this person's art that they're creating, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So if you take video of it and then like you post that somewhere or share it with friends, those are people who are then not buying tickets 
to see the show. Right. And that is not good. Exactly. Uh, Here's another tip. Uh, Bring some cash with you, but check with the venue about tipping policies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many places treat cabaret uh, similarly to drag shows, right? Um, And burlesque might be included in that. Uh, And you can, at for example, drag shows, uh, you're often encouraged to give dollar bills to the performers. This is not, though, what you see in TV and movies where you place them in their clothes. No, you no. You hand it to them. No, or maybe there's a bucket passed. Perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, you know, do your research and find out if that's something that that is encouraged. Um, also, a lot of these performances incorporate a meet and greet. Afterwards, they're often uh, adjacent to bar facilities if you partake. Um, and don't be afraid to tell a performer that you think they did a really great job. It's always nice to hear. Always nice to hear. Um, but, you know, don't monopolize the performance. Be respectful. Uh, be be uh, cognizant of how you are complimenting them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like for example, it might feel completely reasonable to say like, you are so beautiful, right? Which don't get me wrong. I would like to hear that if someone said that to me, but if I had just finished a routine that I'd worked really hard on where I was trying to show off skill and humor Mm -hmm. and timing and all those things and the things that you chose to compliment were my physical attributes, it might make me feel like you didn't actually appreciate me as a performer rather just as an object to be looked upon. Maybe find something a physical that you can talk about, like your costume is so detailed. Yes. It's beautiful. Or I really enjoyed the flexibility of your act. Your movements were so precise and sharp. It was so cool to watch. Exactly. Instead of you're so pretty. Or even just like you did your makeup very well. Exactly. Right? Something where it's like you are complimenting an execution mm-hmm. of a skill mm-hmm. and not just like you are a pretty person. I do have to tell you though, you are pretty. I know I'm pretty. That's the thing. I don't need that part complimented. You're oh, you're pretty too. Yes, you're pretty too. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I said you were a queen, but five <laughs> minutes ago. I'm saying that like I know I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need you to compliment that. I want to know if I did a good job or not. Okay. Uh, last thing is not all of these performances are sold out in the way that like Dita Von Teese sells out her performances. Uh, feel free to sit close. A lot of these acts have uh, audience participation and it shows the performers that you are there to enjoy them. Don't feel bad and sit in the back row if yeah. it's not assigned seating. Get up. You don't have to go to the front row, but you know, Enjoy yourself and be a little closer if you can. Along those same lines, I would also encourage you to bring friends, to tell friends, to convince friends to go. Because you are clearly a smart person. You're listening to Schmanners and you're learning about burlesque. But there are probably lots of people in your social circles that do not think of burlesque as like in in the way that you do. They're not as educated on it. And they might have a little bit of uh, like puritanical silt left over in the bottom of their pits or whatever, the pits <laughs> of their hearts. And you can help flush that out by Residual saying- Residual preconceived notions. Thank you. That's a much <laughs> better way to put it, that you can say like, hey, come with me to the show. It's going to be super fun, right? And yeah. and then you can also not only bring friends there, but then you're helping kind of the awareness of the art form of burlesque grow and thrive. Indeed. <laughs> 
So that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And of course, thank you to Alex, a researcher without whom we would not be able to consistently make this show as consistently good as we consistently do. So thank you <laughs> so much, Alex. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I'm going to put that on her uh, on her business cards. Making the show consistently good in a consistent way. <laughs> um, uh, we are working on some new merch uh, for folks that I'm excited about. Okay. Um, Where can they find that merch? Oh, they can find it at macrimerch.com. There's new stuff there. Let me tell you all about it in just one second while Teresa thanks other people and I pull up the document with all the information. <laughs> as always, thank you to Brent, Brentlefloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. When we have topics that we request uh, questions to, you can submit your questions at SchmannersCast. Um, also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover banner of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Please join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice, but send your topic suggestions to schmannerscast at gmail.com, where we read, well, Alex reads every single email. Um, we're always looking for idioms. Those are quite fun shows. And then your topic suggestions are so helpful to us. We would love to do a show on what you want to hear. Speaking of, we know that next week's show is going to be about treasure hunting. And specifically, if we are translating it into a modern age, uh, geocaching. Cooperative so, treasure hunting. Sure. So if you have any questions about uh, like proper etiquette and proper ways to geocache, or if you want to do treasure hunting, uh, you can tweet those at us at SchmannersCast. Uh, now, the new merch. We have a Cerberus uh, pin of the month. Uh, that benefits the N-A-R-A-L, designed by Zachary Sterling. The N-A-R-A-L fights for access to abortion care, birth control, paid parental leave, and protections from pregnancy discrimination. Uh, we also have a new Knights Templar 2 sticker, which if you haven't watched the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, is probably very confusing. But it's designed by Tyler Reed, and there's a bunch of other stuff up at MacroyMerch.com. The Sawbones book is now out in paperback. It's newly revised and updated for 2020. You can get that at bit.ly slash Sawbones paperback, and we have a book event coming up for our podcast how-to book, Everybody Has a Podcast Except You, January 26th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a free virtual event. Uh, we've partnered with six independent bookstores, and if you pre-order from them, you'll get an exclusively designed book plate signed by one of the McRoy brothers while supplies last. Just go to bit.ly slash podcast book event for bookstore links and more info. Uh, and don't forget to pre-order The Adventure Zone Crystal Kingdom now at theadventurezonecomic.com. And I think that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.